Are you as excited about the 2023 NBA draft as I am? If so, I have three prospects that I think could be top 10 picks that I'm going to discuss in this episode. Stay tuned. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? Happy Tuesday. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com. And in this episode, I'm going to break down three prospects that I think could be potentially top 10 picks in the 2023 NBA Draft. Now, this draft has a lot of people excited. And I talked about it yesterday. You got Victor Wimbayama and Scoot Henderson, who as of now, right now, are the top two players in our top two projected NBA draft picks in the 2023 class. Wimbayama is this generational talent, 7'2", like 7'9", wingspan, incredible shot blocker, agile, who can score an offensive end. He projects to be, at the very minimum, a all NBA level defender needs to put on some weight but he is super talented and then there's Scoot Henderson who I talked about and to me he is the the like the new version of Derrick Rose but I think he has a better jump shot at this same stage as Derrick Rose a little bit more pace to his game but as far as like this super athletic point guard that can finish at the rim and just you know can change a team's entire future with with just drafting him high I'm very very high on Scoot Henderson so those are the top two prospects but now there's a few other guys that could be in the range as being like top five top ten picks that I think could be in the lottery but of course it's super early you never know last year at this time we had Jaden Hardy Patrick Baldwin Caleb Houston Peyton Watson all of those guys were projected top ten picks also throwing Yannick Sosa and they were not even in the lottery. So you just never know. It could be, you know, I could be way ahead of myself, but these are just guys based off of today that I think could be potential top 10 picks. The first player I want to talk about is Cam Whitmore. I, you know, spent some time watching his film and I'm high on Cam Whitmore, 6'7", 225. He is going to Villanova. A little interesting, Villanova is not a school known for having one-and-done prospects, and he is someone that I definitely consider a one-and-done guy. So I'm curious to see how, how that plays out. But 6'7", 225, has a strong frame, wide shoulders. I consider him a shot maker off the dribble. He has size and versatility to play both forward spots. You know, a little bit of Miles Bridges in his game as far as his size. And, and again, he can play the four comfortably. He can play the three. Cam Whitmore is a tremendous transition finisher. He's an explosive, powerful athlete. Likes to play bully ball. I, what I like about him is that he is a good rebounder. He's very active. And he's a guy that can turn rebounds into personal fast breaks. He's a, an excellent rebound and run threat. He loves to push the ball after rebounds and he crashes the offensive glass too. So he's someone that I think could be a 10 rebound guy in, in the NBA if he keeps the same energy. But then again, you never know because some teams it's not in their philosophy for 
players to crash the offensive glass. They'd rather get back and set up the defense. But I do think that he could be an excellent rebounder. Um, pretty good cutter. He just has a nose for the basketball, whether it's cutting to the rim, whether it's just the hustle plays, great finisher. Now, as far as his ball handling, he is, you know, he does have some ability to create off the dribble, can, can get to a spot. If he doesn't like get to his spots right away, he can use his strength to, again, play bully ball, but he's an aggressive a down, downhill attacker. He can attack closeouts. And I, I just think he is a very, very good finisher, finishes through contact. And then with his size at 225 pounds, he can post up smaller players. Again, you got to look at this kid's body. It's hard to believe that he is only, I mean, he's only 18 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He may be even younger than that. But yeah, not even 18 years old yet. So he's 18 years old, 225. Like, I want to know what are they feeding these kids? Like when I was, when I was 17 or 18 years old, yeah, I mean, we had guys that were 6'7", but they may have been 6'7", a buck 80. But we didn't have guys with these strong, sh big shoulders, broad shoulders, big frames. And even with Whitmore, you can look at his lower body. He has a strong lower base. So he is physically advanced for his age. Now, as far as the concerns, he can make shots. But the shooting consistency is something that he'll need to improve on. Sometimes the shot looks money. Sometimes he has some really, really bad misses. Now, he does also have a tendency to play out of control because he's playing so hard and so fast. And he he is a guy that makes most of his or scores most of his points attacking the rim. So he does have a strong tendency to just put his head down and just barrel over defenders. Probably could pick up a lot of charges. I think that at Villanova, he'll definitely learn how to play the right way. Not saying he doesn't play the wrong way now, but he'll learn in, in that system. And I think they will maximize all of his strengths and his gifts. And because he does play out of control, he does, you know, <laughs> turn the ball over quite a bit. And a lot of them are just, again, running over guys, um, not really reading the second line of defense. And I think that... Um, that's going to be like the, the biggest adjustment for him in the college game is that he's used to just being able to get to the rim at will. He did it at the under 18s. And once he plays college, he's going to have to do a better job of reading the defense, reading where the help is coming from, reading where, uh, you know, playing against rim protectors, better shot blockers. I think he is OK as a ball mover, but he'll also need to improve as a passer. And then he'll need to like, in my opinion add like a mid-range game or like some soft touch finishes around the rim right now it's either a three or everything is at the basket and so you know if he had like a, a floater or just something where it's like a soft touch shot around the rim I think that would help him out but I do love the fact that he's looking to finish everything strong he's looking to dunk on guys incredible athlete I mean he had a, a tip dunk at the under 18s a few weeks back that was definitely at least in my opinion the highlight of the tournament but cam whitmore is someone that i am really looking forward to seeing this season not only because of his talent and how he plays but i just want to see how he fits with with villanova because again like i said villanova is not a school that is known for having one and done type prospects is that going to hurt him is that going to help him i think it'll help him long long term kind of reminds me of like michigan state back in the 2000s most of their guys came in and did two to three years maybe even four and then zach randolph came who was very highly touted 
did not start ended up um, only playing one year fell too late in the first round because he had to fall behind some of the veterans but he ended up being the best player you know from that team in as far as like NBA but he had to play his role apparently he was he felt like he was better than the role that he was given so I mean that could be a bad comparison in a sense but again like I say Villanova is just not a school that we see a lot of one and done guys you look at Jalen Brunson, Mikael Bridges, you look at all the guys that they've had recently and they've all, you know, spent a little bit more time than one year there. So that is something that I am looking forward to seeing. All right. I have a couple more prospects that I want to talk to you about rockauto.com. And I know I mentioned it in yesterday's episode. I need to call rock auto today. I'm having some issues with my Jeep, but I think I'm going to just trade it in time for me to upgrade. Anyway, got a little man on the way my my son will be here at the end of the month and i'm still trying to decide like do i go to summer league because it'll be awful if i go to summer league and my wife goes into labor but all right i want to talk to you about rockauto.com and with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it is now impossible for your local chain or auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need so there's no need for you to go to your chain store or your dealership and have them put in a bunch of questions or ask you a bunch of questions and put in information in their computer when you have the same access on your phone or at home at rockauto.com you can save time and money more importantly money well then again time is money but you can save time and money when you use rockauto.com so there's no need to spend 30 50 or even a hundred percent more on the same parts from an auto dealership or chain store well, you can go to rockauto.com. And the best example is a fuel pump on a Honda Odyssey is $353 at a chain store. But if you go to Rock Auto, you can get it for $216. And Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving do-it-yourselfers. I was going to say like myself, but I'm not doing anything with a car. But they've been serving do-it-yourselfers like you, probably you, for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything that you will need for your car from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. You can see all the parts that are available for your car or truck. And if you write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box? They'll know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, once again, shout out to each and every person that has made this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast a success. I know there's still Summer League and, you know, we're not all the way done with the 2022 draft cycle. I'm still, I'm just ready to get on to 2023. I'm looking forward to this class. I enjoy talking about new prospects and watching their film. And that's why I'm going to go with Derek Whitehead as the second player on my list of guys that I am looking forward to watch. And I'll be doing these 2023 prospects, obviously, <laughs> for the next 10 or 11 months. But as far as like getting an early bird, Derek Whitehead is someone that is highly, highly touted. Some people think he is a candidate to go top five. Now, he's going to Duke. He has good size and frame. He's fast in the open floor, has a good first step, pretty good downhill slasher when he wants to be, can drive both ways. But he reminds me of this, and I don't know if the audience would get this. Maybe I'm just 
bugging here. But he reminds me of a 1990s era shooting guard. Like, I remember growing up, like, I, I grew up watching basketball in the 90s and, and 2000s. And the shooting guards were like, you know, bigger guards in a sense. They were 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". And I felt like at that time, everybody was trying to be a little bit like Michael Jordan, taking tough shots, um, a lot of isolation, a lot of, you know, just creating your own shot and scoring at the elbows. And for whatever reasons, Derek Whitehead reminds me of like one of these guards from that era. You know, at that era, you had like your Larry Hughes, you had Jason Richardson, you just had, and I'm just, Spreewell, you had a bunch of guards that were athletic and that just thrived with creating their own shot. And their shot selection was something to be desired. And that's what Whitehead reminds me of. He's a tough shot taker and maker. He's a very, very, extremely confident scorer. He is someone that can take tough shots, pull-ups. I mean, he he just has a nice scoring package, nice soft-touch finish floater around the rim. He can shoot off movement. He can score off the dribble. And he does move without the ball. He knows how to get open. But my concerns are the shot selection. He, When I say he's a tough shot taker and maker, he takes some pretty difficult shots, which I'm curious to see how that is going to work out at Duke. does have a tendency to play out of control. Sometimes with his shot, he's off balance. I think he also drives without a plan, which is very common in the high school ranks because usually if you're like a a superior athlete you're used to being able to get to the rim whenever you want to and then when you get to another level you're going to have to do a better job of reading like help defenses knowing where the help is coming from finding your teammates and so for him I I noticed that he does happen to just kind of put his head down like Whitmore and drive without a plan I think he's more of a scorer than a shooter which is a little dangerous now you can say Johnny Davis who had an outstanding year at Wisconsin is similar. But I think sometimes with NBA teams and scouts, they prefer a guy that is a shooter first and scorer second as opposed to a scorer who is a capable shooter once he gets hot. And I think Whitehead is a a guy that he's wired to score. Again, he's going to take tough shots. He can definitely make them. He can get hot and, and, and score points in bunches. But I think that his playing style is could possibly be like an uh, acquired taste. Some people may not like it. Some people may. But if he has like a Johnny Davis type season, like Johnny Davis, is, if, if Whitehead's freshman year is similar to Johnny Davis's sophomore year, then it's you know likely going to lead to him being a top 10 pick. But I think for the, the same reasons why people may not have been as high on Davis are the same reasons that I think people could be or could feel a similar way about Whitehead. Um, Very streaky shooter. The passing, I think he needs to improve as a passer. Again, he's wired to score. He can make some passes, but I think his mindset is score first, score second. I think I personally think he settles for too many jumpers. I personally think that he has the athleticism. He has the speed to be able to really put pressure on the rim. But I think that he will settle for isolation face-up jumpers where he'll get the ball jab step one dribble pull up over the guy again when it goes in it looks great but it's one of those things where if he's not making it then he looks 
he just looks like he is being selfish. Um, and then his free throw percentage is not good. Surprisingly, he's not a really accurate free throw shooter. And then again, with the tough shots comes with usually a low efficiency. And so for me, I would like to see him over the summer, of course, improve his efficiency, get in a film room and study game film because Talent wise, he's got it. He he's got the goods on the talent as far as talent. I just think that he he needs to again just learn how to think the game a little bit better and um, you know fix his shot selection. And then of course, if he can cut down on the tough contested pull up fadeaway jumpers and get to the free throw line more and attack because he does have like I said has athleticism to get to the rim and he does have the soft touch floater package so again we got we're talking about a guy that has a tremendous amount of talent goes into the right situation and you kind of like hone in his talent and correct some of the errors then we're talking about a guy that could potentially also be a top five pick even though this class again i think one and two are like i said Wimbayama and scoot and then you have the thompson twins who i'll get on in another episode from overtime elite they could be three and four. You know, how cool would that be to see two twins? Well, one set of twins with both twins ranked or drafted in the top five of the NBA draft. Now, we've seen twins before. We've seen the Morris twins go in the first round. I think they were both lottery and back in the lottery early miss first round. But twins in the top five. I mean, that would be that would be a pretty cool storyline. But unfortunately, they're playing for overtime elite. So on one hand, it's, it's not unfortunate. Don't don't take that the wrong way. I'm just saying, like, as far as like the storyline and, and from college basketball and all the exposure that comes with March Madness and the NCAA tournament, we're going to miss out on that storyline with the Thompson Twins because they are playing for overtime elite. But hey, go ahead and get your money. I do not blame you. All right, when we return, I'll break down my thoughts on who could be the first center off the board after Victor Wimbenyama, and it is Kalel Ware, who is going to Oregon, but I want to talk to you about Bet Online. It is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use the mobile or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where. The game starts, but you guys have been listening for a while, so I know you know that. Kalel Ware is a seven foot, two hundred and twenty-three pound center who is going to Oregon. Between Ware and Derek Lively, who's going to Duke, those are probably the two top big men in this class outside of Wimbenyama. And I'm just going to go with where in this particular episode. And this episode is not a ranking. I'm not ranking the players. These are just guys that I am breaking down. I'm just going to give them to you in threes. Where is a seven-footer. Again, excellent size and length. He has a massive wingspan. I don't have the exact numbers, but his wingspan is about as long as the Mississippi River. And he has good touch around the rim. He can play as a vertical lob threat. He's agile. 
I think that his body has a chance to fill out because he has a strong lower frame. He does have broad shoulders that I think could put on some weight. And he is a strong finisher around the rim. One of the things I like about him is that he's active. To me, like motor is one of the most important things for a big man. Like if you don't have a motor, I don't know if it matters how talented you are. You have to bring energy and, and play with a motor. And that's what he does. He has a good quick second jump. So that's good for like offensive rebounds. Even when he misses his own shot, he's likely to get his own board and put it back in rebounds the ball he's not afraid of contact he's not skinny but I mean he's not very strong either but he does throw his body around you know I'm kind of confused about his hands to be honest with you sometimes I'm like okay he has good hands but then there's other plays where it just looks like his hands can improve and get a little bit stronger um, but I love how he runs the floor he is someone that at the very minimum he could be again your vertical lob threat your shot blocker just your athletic big. I think he has the fluidity to where he can switch out and defend in space. I think he'll be a plus defender. So I think at the very minimum, he should be able to carve out a, a role as like your, maybe like your Mitchell Robinson or Robert Williams type. But he does show some flashes of having some offensive game uh, as far as like shooting at the elbow. He's not afraid to shoot three-pointers. So I think that, you know, over time he can develop into somewhat of a decent shooter again the touch is there not excellent touch but i think that there is potential and upside for him to at least be able to shoot from the short corner or the elbows now as far as areas of concern i think he needs to add a left hand when he gets the ball in the post it's pretty much the same move drop step right hand finish off the left shoulder and um, i mean this that's that same move over and over again so i think if he adds a left hand he'll be even more dangerous in the post Right now, I don't think he's that good of a passer. And again, this is just from the film I've watched. And I've done a pretty, you know, I spent a pretty decent amount of time watching this film. I think that if he improves as a passer, it will help. And the reason I say that is because I feel like in today's NBA, as many passers as you have on the floor, it just makes everything better. So if he can serve as a ball mover to where if you give him the ball in the high post and he can make the pass, um, you know, the high low pass or he can be someone if you put him in the pick and rolls, he can make short roll reads. I think that will be tremendous as far as helping him reaching his his maximum potential. I mean, you look at Jalen Duran, that was one of the, the things that really helped him out was that he was such a good passer, even though he's a little raw on the offensive end and actually should be in this class but a little raw on the offensive end but he showed flashes and glimpses of being able to be a good passer and a ball mover and then where i think if he's going to really really just maximize everything that he'll need to improve his shooting range again if he he's shown flashes of it but if he can knock down mid-range shots and then potentially stretch out to the three then i think he could be a big that stays on the floor i mean what the biggest question for bigs and one of the reasons why people aren't as high on bigs as far as like traditional centers in a sense is because a lot of people feel like they're getting played off the floor in the playoffs and so i think in order to make sure that you can stay on the floor even if you are a good defender but if you bring in value on the offensive end it makes it a lot easier to stay on the floor if you are someone that they have to play drop coverage so you look at I don't know. I mean, you look at some of the centers in the NBA who are known for their defense, but in the playoffs, they kind of get exposed a little bit. And it's because teams can't really 
throw them the ball on the offensive end and say, hey, you know, we can make teams pay for going small. And so I think for any center in, in today's NBA, if you're going to be a vertical lap threat, I think you got to work on that shot. You got to work on your shot, or at least be a passer and a ball mover. So in the playoffs, you can stay on the floor when teams are going small because you can make them pay for putting a smaller guard or wing on you. All right, well, that wraps up this episode. I just talked about three prospects that I'm looking forward to seeing who could potentially be top 10 picks in the deep 2023 NBA draft. I talked about Cam Whitmore, Derek Whitehead, and Kalel Ware. Well, that wraps up this episode, but I want to talk to you about the Locked On NBA before I leave. Once again, thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out the latest news and the rumors in the NBA, and it's in just 30 minutes every day with the Locked On NBA. The Locked On NBA gives you your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes, and it is going to be crazy by the end of the week because free agency starts not a you know a really deep class in free agency but you can see some moves and that's why the locked on nba podcast is the place to be all right i'm rafael barlow signing out thank you for listening and i am out